Everybody, it's Jonathan Gilchrist. I'm just hopping in here on the break to tell you about one of the other podcasts on the Chaos is Everywhere feed. This week we're talking about Chaos the Final Frontier. Chaos the Final Frontier is your one-stop shop for watch-longs of sci-fi greats. Star Trek is our bread and butter, but we are expanding to hit anything sci-fi with Chaos the Final Frontier, and that is every Monday. And for your convenience, it is clearly labeled so you know what you're getting into before you dive right in. So check out Chaos the Foul Frontier, and we'll see you soon, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Jonathan Gilchrist. I'm happy in here uh, for our intro to our episode of Chaos Everywhere. So, this week was supposed to be us watching Mr. Nanny. Uh, and I don't know what the hell it is about this movie specifically, because this is not the first time it's happened. Uh, literally two weeks ago at this point, like, as quickly as I could do it, I saw that that movie was on, uh, Max, HBO Max, and I was like, well, we gotta do it while it's available. It's already off of Max. Uh, technically you could still watch it on Tubi. We've done that before. I don't like the ads, so I'm not gonna do that again. Um, I, we will catch this on Max. If I have to one day, like, just you know, pay for it, I will. I really prefer to do it while it's streaming so you guys can watch along without having to do anything extra. You just pull up the app and you can watch it. But that's just not going to happen this week. So I'm just going to put up, uh, because it's the 4th of July and I don't really feel like coming up with a new idea off the top of my head, and I do have a really nice bank show in the uh, old bank show area, um, we're going to do... Uh, the Hobbit from 1977. This is the classic Rankin and Bass animated Hobbit. Uh, myself and DJ Madman sat down and watched it. At some point, we will do the other animated Lord of the Rings movies as well uh, to complete this series. But yeah, no, this is a really fun episode. We had a lot of fun doing it. I'm excited to share it with you guys. I hope you enjoy it. I'm annoyed that it's coming up because of this weird Mr. Nanny thing never staying on max more than like a couple of weeks but it is what it is eventually we will catch this elusive this has become our white whale of an episode so uh yeah i, I enjoy the show we'll be back next week with chaos at ringside uh the uh episode of voyager part one of basics which is the season finale of season two and then the week after that we're going to be doing um Actually, I don't know what we're doing for Chaos Rinside, but the week after that for Chaos the Final Frontier, we are definitely going to do uh, Star Trek The Final, or First Contact, which I'm looking forward to a lot. So yeah, I uh, hope everybody has a good, safe 4th of July. Don't, you know, drink and use fireworks. And uh, we'll see you soon, everybody. Oh, hello. Ahoy, hoy. How's it going, man? I have everything set up. I made sure to mute the audio because I'm using one device. And I do have 
Capcom. Closed caption. Closed caption on. All right, and I'm all good to go. So welcome to KS where I'm your host, Jonathan Gilchrist. And uh, that guy over there, he lives in a hole, but not a dirty, sandy, dusty hole, nor a wet, oozing, smelly hole. I'm close to what that is, but I think I fucked up the second one. It sounded much more dirty than it's supposed to. But that's Mr. DJ Madman. Oh, I feel like that kind of sort of sounds like the beginning of this movie. Because they talk yep, about living in a hole. I was doing my best to remember the line because there's a very specific line that is in this movie and in the book. Um, if you're wondering what we're watching, from 1977, we're watching The Hobbit, the cartoon version. And um, I'll do my best to remember all the research I did for this. It's been a while, but I know a lot about the Lord of the Rings in general, so we can probably just nerd out a little bit. And I will just give you my shock and awe because I only know the context of this through literally holding the VHS and seeing never, that and looking at the front and back going, well, how much information can I get by looking at the front and back of a cover? Yeah, no, this is this is my first um, introduction to Tolkien. My dad was a big Tolkien fan. And like as early as I can remember, we had this movie and I watched it over and over again. And I will tell you more about the cartoons as we get into it, because there's a whole like fucking history behind all of the cartoons of the Tolkien works. All right. Uh, but, but I'm at zero, so you're going to hit play in three, two, one, play. Many years ago, when Things You Planet was not quite so ancient, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Now he's going to say it correctly. Uh, Many so, ages ago. Yeah, no, this is part of a trilogy of movies, and you'll probably notice very quickly the artistic style. And you'll be like, hey, I've seen that before, and I'll tell you how in a minute. <laughs> there was a village named Hobbiton. Not in there we go. Not a nasty dirt, nor a dry, bare, and sandy hole. So, does the animation look familiar to you? Because I bet you, when I tell you, you're gonna be like, "Really?" I mean, like, kinda, but I, I, I can't place it. It just seems like very not seventies. So that this is made by the same company, Rankin and um, Bass, that made the Christmas specials, like Rudolph and. Um, all that Wait, stuff. That's the claymation people. Yep. Huh. And the and the animation, like it's a weird story. So this is the Hobbit. It's the, the first whole book. Then they made the next year. I want to say like it was a really interesting production. They made the Lord of the Rings, which is the first two of the trilogy, right? Now, the interesting connection for us is the person that made The Lord of the Rings is actually the same person that made the movie Wizards that we watched so long ago. Hmm. So it has a lot of the same style. So it's completely different than this. But because that production was so harrowing and like I think the director quit a few times, it was, it's a whole thing that you can look up. It's really interesting. Um, when they got to Return of the King because they wanted to finish the, um, the story, they went back to Rankin and Bass. So the, the Return of the King looks like The Hobbit. It's it's just a weird, but they are like they are supposed to be watched together, even though they look nothing alike. Hmm. Now. Dorian, Orion, Orion. 
And uh, Wait, are we going to get a cartoon version of the song, or was that the song just a little bit? Yeah. Oh no, you get pretty much every song that's in The Hobbit is in in the book. The Hobbit is in this. There's only one original song. I'm right here, to, they're doing like listen to the soundtrack. Oh yeah, no, I love the sound. I can't like not hear up until the Hobbit movie when they did the Misty Mountain version in the the live action movie. I could not hear any song from The Hobbit without thinking about this uh, movie. It's all done really well. Hobbiton. Also, you can also see how they have to truncate everything. Instead of like Gandalf going away and coming back the next day, the dwarves are just there. Like, yep, we're all just coming in. Well, and they made him like a little more like creepy and mysterious than just kind of like pleasant and like aloof. Mm-hmm. Because like the thunder of enough. Yeah. No, he doesn't have time. We got like an hour and a half. We got to get through a whole book. It's not... Oh, yes. To wear a sword instead of a walking stick. Also, you can tell based on like if you've seen the Hobbit movies, how much older all of the, the dwarves are in mm. appearance. Like there's no hot um keely or feely although they are they at least are the ones that don't have gray hair so that is true to the book <clears throat> but actually that's actually more accurate to the book because in the book the dwarves are all except for feeling keely supposed to be very old and um balan is very like long-winded and likes to give speeches and makes himself overly important you should start using that may the hair on your toes never fall out <laughs> there you go <laughs> so if you don't know the story they're seeking a treasure and I don't know if there's anybody alive now that doesn't know the story but they have to go to a, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere I don't know if we're going to reach them like our reach isn't that wide but if we happen to reach the one person they're seeking a treasure in a mountain guarded by a dragon that didn't look like a mountain the first time I saw it just mm -hmm. letting you know what did it look like to you? Uh, <laughs> a vagina? A crevasse. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why my throat's all scratchy. Because my throat's um, all whatever -y. I'm just yeah. matching it. Okay, so they're making stuff. Yep. And this is all part of the song that's in the book. Um, yeah, like, I think pretty much every song is represented. Like, they cut out stuff they had to cut out, but I can't think of a song that's not in this. There's only one song that was original for the movie, which is going to be, when we get to the opening credits, you'll get to see that. Um, and yes, for you especially, because I know that you love music, go back and listen to the soundtrack. I think you would really, really get a kick out of it. But oh, those boards seem dope. Yeah. That's one thing that's kind of missing, like, from the real movies is like the swords are nowhere near as gemmed bejeweled mm -hmm. like they're just kind of more simple and it's just like there were some like really like bling out swords in, especially like, when you hear how tolkien describes them that like they have gems and shit the pines were roaring on the height oh no those are not horses those are donkeys right Yes. 
Oh, Dale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who plays... Um, Who plays the famous guy that you like that the comedian played the Oh the the Master of the Lake? Yeah. They don't really get into it too much because it's one of the things they truncate. Okay. So there's not like that there that stuff is in the book to a certain degree about the master having one view and Bard having another, but they don't really get into it because like I said, it's only an hour and a half. Plus and you know, can, kid, kind of kids cartoon. Yeah, and they basically cut out the um the shapeshifter. Which, like, um, they go from the goblins in, and then being rescued by the eagles right to Mirkwood. They just cut out that entire middle part. We don't. They don't. They don't meet the bear. Nope. Oh man, he was like my was, favorite. Well, one of my favorite characters in all of Tolkien world. That was one of my big things when I was like, um, when they were making the Hobbit in three movies. Like, if they're going to make three movies, every character better be in there. Like, the bear should be there, everybody. And they did do that. They just added some more. Hey, 13 is a good, bad number. Not if you're um, unlucky. Oh, there's a contract. There's actually, if you read the unfinished tales, which I haven't read, but I've, like, people, I've listened to people talk about it. Um, there's actually stuff that adds on to this where like it's a conversation between Pippin and Gandalf years after the uh, ring's been destroyed. And basically Gandalf says that he didn't know for sure, but because of who he is, because he's from the other land, he had this really strong intuition that he knew that if Bilbo didn't go with the dwarves, they would fail. Hmm. And that's why he like forced the issue because Bal or, um, Thorin did not want Bilbo to go at all well so that's the only thing that i don't think either explains like why is gandalf helping the dwarves gandalf is helping the dwarves because he um the the big reason is because if he knows that Sauron is rising again like you have to that's all happening in the background while the hobbit's happening there's the white council and all this other shit happening mm -hmm. um but he knows Sauron's rising again, and it's basically just we could leave that dragon there. Dragons were created by Sauron's master. He could definitely start a deal with that dragon if he when if he does, fuck the north, or we could get rid of it, put the dwarfs back in there. That's a much better people to have on our side in the north instead of a dragon. So that like that's his like chest movie reason for doing it, besides the fact that it is there, you know birthright and it is like they they've been suffering and they shouldn't suffer but um also if you if you're a fan of the movie or the book there is no mention of this of the of the uh, arkenstone which is a mm. big part of the book and movie well yeah because it explains why like dwarves kind of get like w weird and why thorin mm. kind of becomes like possessed kind of well it's like ring stuff without the ring basically yeah in the book it's not even it's not even as clear-cut as like in the movie they gave him the excuse that if he had it he could like command all the dwarven armies mm -hmm. um it was actually just a thing of like greed which you also have in the movie but it, it was very much nope i just want this because my father had it it's very shiny but in the book they don't ever mention that or in the cartoon here they don't mention it again just that one's a weird cut for me because it is such a big part of the motivation at the end, but we'll get there in a little bit. So, Spoiler alert. 
Yeah, that in the opening credits there was the ballad of uh, Bilbo Baggins, I believe, which was really cool. And actually, the day that I graduated from um, college, I spent some time just listening to that song on repeat because it just felt like a really good song for a moment of change in my life. Uh, I love the things he's like, no pipe, no handkerchief, how can I survive? How did the wizard get up there? Uh, he's a oh. wizard. Also, I love using the word bother like that. I say that all the time to myself. Oh, bother. That's very Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh of you. <laughs> well, I think of The Hobbit, but yes, it is also very Winnie the Pooh of you. <laughs> Oh man, eggs and bacon and a full pipe. I could get through any storm thinking of eggs and bacon and a full pipe. This is something that's not really touched on in, in the movie because it'd be hard to do the exposition for it. Mm. But part of the reason this was such a big deal, and I don't even think the movie showed the rain, is that dwarves are really good at starting fire. They can pretty much do it out of anything and they could not start a fire no matter what they did. This is part of the reason they went and looked for fire with the trolls. Okay. I don't know. Go get some food. Do your burgling. Does does Bilbo have like a super high pitched little like oh I say little voice? Kind of, yeah. He definitely has a squeak to him, too, when he gets scared. Um, another weird like fact that I learned that's really interesting, just like the movie, like the live-action movie, these trolls are actually played by three different actors that are playing three of the dwarves. It's just a weird little thing, like because there's not a lot of lines for most of the dwarves, they are also the trolls. And that's the same with the live-action movie. Although Andy Circus is also one of the trolls in the live action movie, too. George, hmm. I'm done for. Dwarves? Oh, I could eat them. In it's the true. book, you never see a solitary dwarf. That's true. In the book, Even though they um, are very. In the book, there's a weird bit of magic that doesn't kind of fit in with the rest of the Little Rings, but it is kind of cool. What actually gets Bilbo caught is he does sneak up, the trolls don't notice him, and he tries to pickpocket their, like, get their wallet from their pockets. But when he takes the wallet out, it's a magic wallet that talks and alerts the trolls that he's there. <laughs> and nothing like that is mentioned anywhere else in the Lord of the Rings. Just one random troll wallet. Oh no, the sun. And if you if you are a fan of the Lord of the Rings movies and you're wondering, like, why did these trolls turn to stone and the ones that we see later don't? Like, because there's definitely trolls in, like, the battles in the Lord of the Rings. There's actually an in-universe explanation that Sauron has been breeding um, trolls, a lot like Saruman's shown to do in the movies. He's been breeding them to, they still don't like sunlight, but they don't die immediately if they're in it. So that's that's the reason. That's one of the things he was doing to prepare for the war was trying to make trolls better because trolls were made by his master along with dragons 
and everything else that's pretty much evil. So he has more power to control them. <gasps> okay. Important scene. Yep. How is Dylan? Yoink. One of the swords, um, which is interesting, I forget which one it is, but like if you go back and look at the lore of these swords, they um, are from Gondolin, which was an elvish kingdom. One of the swords, I believe, you can trace back its lineage and actually belonged to a elf called um, Celeb... No, not Celebrimborn. Um, oh, what the fuck's his name? He's the actual like elf that helps Frodo in, in the Fellowship, but not, not um, uh, Elrond's daughter. He's just not in the movies at all. But he's he, the only other creature... He died fighting a Balrog in like the first age, and he was sent back from death like Gandalf and became even more powerful. And one of those swords was actually his sword way back when, but he never like saw it basically. So like he would have had a claim to it. I think the other one was actually a sword of like Elrond's like uncle or something. So. This is also something that happens in Hamilton that's showing him the map. Well, yeah, because he loves maps. Yeah, as he just as he pushes Thorin out of the way. Why not? That seems like a perfectly reasonable explanation. Just go up to the front door. Very good, Bilbo. You noticed the hand pointing somewhere. I feel like that's something that's lost on people. Like there were old maps that had like you know cryptic, cryptic crap on them. Mm -hmm. I mean the 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 invisible writing that we're gonna get to in a minute is made up, but like the idea of it being that cryptic wasn't. And if you don't know the background story, because it's touched on in the Hobbit. But um, in the book, but um, the background story of how Gandalf got this was actually because he was um, in looking into the dungeons of the Necromancer, which is what Sauron was calling himself in Mirkwood, and he found Thorin's father there, who got captured when he was just going to Moria. Actually, he took like one, I think he took like one companion and got captured on his way and got thrown in the dungeon and basically went insane. So that is actually how Sauron got back one of the rings of dwarven power, the last one that he didn't have, because that Thorin's father had it from his father. And that's also how, when Gandalf went in there, he found the map and the key and stuff. That's also when Bilbo's ring is found and he knows it's a ring of power. That's how he knows it's not one of the other rings, because he has the three dwarven rings that are still around. The nine were for the Nazgul, and he has them under his control. And mm -hmm. the three he knows are lost, but he knows it can't be one of them because he knows somebody has them. So it has to be his ring. That's that's a big part that you don't. You have to kind of read between the lines to know how important it is that uh, Thorin's father was captured. Mm. Ah, yes, Elrond. <laughs> 
food, the wine. I feel yes. like, yeah, everybody's older. That's just kind of yeah. like the thing. Yeah. Elrond's probably aged up a little bit more than he should be if you're being completely book accurate, but he, you know, he's still been around for a few thousand years at this point. The Goblin Cleaver. Yep. Orchrist and um The Fall uh, Hammer. What's the other one's name? Can't remember. Don't bug me. One of the things with Tolkien, like if you're not, like if you're sitting here just trying to remember the names, it's um they kind of mix up in your head because for some reason I can only think of the name Galadriel, which is not it because that's the name of the elf queen. What are you trying to think of though? The other name, Orchrist, is Thorin's um. Sword. I'm trying to think of the other name. The one, the one that for Gandalf. Gandalf yeah. Oh, they said it though. Glamdring. Glamdring. That's it. I knew it started with a G. Yeah, I just missed it in the. I missed it in the fucking subtext. Well, see, when you can't hear and you have to read, that's you true. hear with your eyes. And I'm sitting here also trying to remember like random facts about the Lord of the Rings to tell you guys, so it makes it doubly difficult. I mean, it wouldn't be a Tolkien thing if people weren't just, like, climbing the side of a mountain in terrible weather. Yeah. Also, just to keep you guys in score, that is one place where the new movies are more accurate because they don't talk about these stone giants anywhere. There was... um. Oh, the ones was, that was when they fight in the weather? Yep, that's all really in the book. So. Are we having a little deja vu here? What's going on? Yeah, he's just having a nightmare about the dwarves breaking his plates. It's waking him up. <laughs> oh, they do have, isn't that, that is in the movie, I think, right? I think. Mm, well, in the other movie, he's like, he's given up on wanting to be with the dwarves. He's like, I gotta go home. Like, I don't belong here. So he's gonna leave. But in the book and in this, he basically just wakes up and he sees what's happening and alerts the dwarves to what's happening. And actually, Bilbo is supposed to be more of a hero than he ends up being uh, for a lot of this because when he actually wakes them up, he, like the only thing that he does good is Gandalf isn't just gone. He wakes up Gandalf in time for Gandalf to kill the goblins trying to grab him. Mm. And that's what saves them. And this, it's just like he wakes up the dwarves and they run after the ponies, basically. <laughs> down, down to Goblin Town. The goblins are the fucking most creepiest like image that they came up with for these movies. The like, frog looking. Yeah. Dog things. Yep. Just like, especially when you look at their throats, like that they're just two really wide open holes. It's just really creepy to me. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. If they didn't open their mouths, I wouldn't be as freaked out. But now that you've Man. pointed that out, I am horrified. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. You just wake up and just see those faces. This is a children's film, correct? Or not really ish? I mean, it was a children's film made in the 70s, so take your... Uh, so there's no nudity, got it. Yeah, yeah. it's not like Wizards. It was definitely made for children, but still in the 70s. Yeah, I'm podcasting with other people. What? Mr. Artie Vice just walked in for everybody that wants to know why I said that. <laughs> what a lame, lame Artie Vice excuse. <laughs> the Goblin Cleaver.
elf friend. Man, man, just call me the name. Yes, sure did. Oh, why is his mouth like staying open? Now you're just making me fixate on their mouths, which which isn't helping. It's the worst part of their characterization, so I'm glad I pointed it out to you. Shining yeah, bright totally. light. Yeah, there we go. Glam drain. I could just wait until they said it here. I know that sword. And like it, they just kind of make it a point, like, oh yeah, the goblins know that sword. Think about how many fucking goblins over a thousand years ago those two swords had to kill for the the goblins of today to be like, oh fuck those swords. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another kind of cool thing of like medieval time stuff that like there's no real comparison of like yeah. Oh no. with so much history that it's like handed down, handed down, handed down, and then even just the reputation of the weapon itself is like right. Oh no, he's flying? No, he's falling with style. Yeah, falling down a hole. Oh, is this the out of the uh, f- fire and into the frying pan? Yeah. No, that's the next part after they get out of the mountains. This is when he, like, he, they actually don't notice that he's gone until they're outside. But basically, he gets knocked out and ends up, like, by the road and is ignored. And then he ends up finding his way down to the lake where Gollum lives. <gasps> oh, okay. This is my favorite part of the book was the fucking um, the riddles. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm, Gollum looks like a very just sad looking monkey. I mean, that's kind of what he's supposed to be. I mean, they gave him more hair than he probably should have because he's supposed to look kind of like a gaunt hobbit, basically. What's that noise? Eggs and bacon. Eggs and bacon. Listen, for anyone that's scared and needs courage or feels traumatized, just think about eggs and bacon. True story. There's a, a, a fan theory, I guess you'd call it, about Tolkien going back to the swords that, like, Bilbo's sword is also an elven sword, but it doesn't have a name. Like, they make a joke of it in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. But one of the ideas is that it actually belongs to that same elven lord that I talked about. He would have worn it as, like, an offhand dagger to go with his main sword. Mm-hmm. So, like, I like that really cool idea that Bilbo's sword's actually just as ancient as powerful as the others. It's just he didn't bother showing anybody the sword when he was at Elrond's. Can can we just, like, talk about one of the logistical things of he just puts it in his loose pocket? You know how many times I put a ring in my pocket and lost it, like, in 20 minutes? Like, I know clothes are different, but, like, the odds of him having that ring and not losing it, like, hundreds of times... Um, yeah, no, fair, but also you gotta remember the ring is, it has a mind of its own, so it wants to stay in his pocket because it wants to get out. Oh yeah, magic. That, the deep that's magic. A, that's another thing that's not really, you have to, because when Tolkien was writing this originally, he had no plans for the ring to be this powerful. It was supposed to be just a ring that made you invisible, but the way it's kind of retrograded is that, again, Sauron is waking up to his full power. That's why in the same year, the White Council drives him out of Mirkwood. Um, the reason the rain left Gollum is because Mirkwood's right next door. It can feel that Sauron's awake and calling for it. So it just grabbed Bilbo or waited to see Bilbo as the first person to grab it. Although Bilbo being the one to grab it is actually the power of the 
greater god of Tolkien's universe doing something for good. Like, that's the whole point. Is like, that's the force that's working against Sauron's will. Otherwise, if it was just the ring's will, it would have found a goblin, basically. Wings, yes. Flutters. Oh, yeah. Toothless fights mouthless mutters. I also just like that, not just riddles, but the riddles that just kind of almost feel like nursery rhymes. Mm hmm. Is it nice? Precious? I, I do like. Um, in the video game Night Seal Republic, there's a side mission where you have to tell riddles for, um, to survive, basically. And they just straight up like took several riddles from The Hobbit and put it in the video game. It's really funny. Key or lid. The golden treasure inside his head. In the book, that actually takes him a really long time because he's been living underground so long he had to really think to remember what eggs were. Oh, Papa. Okay, it is Winnie the Pooh. Okay, now I just, you know how there were all those memes of like Winnie the Pooh, but like like Star Wars crossovers and stuff like that. I just want to put Winnie the Pooh in this and just yeah. replace that drawing with just Winnie the Pooh going like he can't put the ring on because you know he doesn't have any fingers or appendages and oh. he just wants honey the whole time. That would be really cool. Also I never <laughs> noticed in the in the um, map painting as they went up there's a uh, full goblin skeleton just laying there. Mm -hmm. thing all things devours. Also Birds, just uh, trees and flowers. This is a plug for anybody that really loves Lord of the Rings. I got to listen to a unabridged audiobook version of Lord of the Rings that's actually read by Andy Circus. So Ooh. it's really he does a really good job, but then when he gets to Gollum, it's fucking Gollum from the movies just doing all the lines. It's awesome. Yeah, just a moment. Come on. What does it answer? They do a good job because I remember that was the same thing with the tension. It's like mm -hmm. Gollum never gives, like he always tries to get him to do the answer before and like um, Bilbo usually tries to like give him time. Right. And they said time, time. What does it say? In the original version of this, which is actually... I really love the way Tolkien did this because when he rewrote Royal Through Lord of the Rings, he had to rewrite this chapter specifically. In the original version of this, Gollum does just lose the contest, if I remember correctly, and just gives Bilbo the ring as, as like a gift. Like, mm -hmm. And then later when Tolkien had to rewrite that, he wrote that version as the story that Bilbo told everybody else to claim the ring. And so it became the lie that Bilbo told. And the reason given that there's two versions of the Hobbit book at that point is because they were taken from two different translations of the same story from the same like source book that Tolkien supposed to have taken all of it from. Hmm. Like there's a whole like in world reason why there's two versions of that story and it fits perfectly in no way does it break Tolkien's world because he was such a fucking minute detail person that <laughs> he was able to do that. 
Sorry, I get lost in pocketses. That's like one of yeah. my favorite like Gollum Smeagolisms. Pocketses? I don't have any pocketses. Oh, they're gonna show uh, Gollum's gonna show him something pretty. I'm sure that'll be fine. Uh-oh. My birthday present. A magic ring. Thank you for the exposition, Gollum. Telling us exactly what's happening. I do love how they like imagine his like little weird hut in the middle of that island. Uh-oh. I'm sorry, I'm 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 feeling the Grinch here. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. I do love and by the way, that does accurately, if you're not listening along, that does accurately describe that screen and his blood curdling. Mm. Well yeah, he's losing his obsession and thing that's tormented him and fascinated him. So really, that's the other thing. Bilbo didn't win the ring one because he actually went to reach it in his pocket and he just said what's in his pocket like he forgot. But if you want to believe in magic stuff, that's the ring basically saying you, you're going to win. Yep. Also, um, there I think it's mentioned in The Hobbit, but Tolkien makes a point of saying that um, since the experts on riddle game says that since Gollum did accept it as a question and tried to answer, that does make it an official riddle, even <laughs> though Gollum would say it wasn't a fair question. Because <laughs> apparently there are riddle masters that had to debate whether or not Bilbo won fair and square. Oh, is that like his catchphrase for this is bless my soul? Because he said it at least two or three times now. Yep, he also says bother burgling. He says that a lot. Poor Gollum. Oh no. Trixie, that's another good column saying. Mm-hmm. But it knows the way in. Does not know the way out. Sorry, as I as I read the fucking subtitles and just watch it, I can hear the voice because I've watched this so many times. Just everybody that did this movie did a great job with their like um, their voice acting. And if we ever get the chance, we'll definitely watch the Lord of the Rings. That one's a it's not hard to find. It's harder to find for free, honestly. Hmm. As part of it. Same with The Return of the King. It just doesn't show up as often because The Hobbit is specifically like the one that's remembered most fondly, I think. And then people mm-hmm. like The Lord of the Rings because it was so experimental, basically. Although for you and me, having watching Wizards, it'll be like, 
oh no, this was just a continuation of that thing that we already saw. So thief, thief. The eyes are so intense. Hates it forever. Right there, they cut out that he lost all his gold buttons at the door. I do love the amount of like indie window that goes into the speech right here. The story has the ring of truth. Yes, it rings true and even winks at him. So there's in the like in all the text, there's no specific answer to exactly when Gandalf knew that Bilbo had a magic ring. Um, I mean, he's a wizard, so I feel like he could sense magic. Yeah. There's there's people that believe it happened here. They believe it might have happened after the Battle of Five Armies. But if he did know he had a ring, he thought it was one of the lesser rings. Mm -hmm. Because when the elves and the elves made all the rings except for the one, when the elves were making the rings before they made the rings of power, they just made a bunch of little ones to like learn how to do it. Yep. But even those rings, if a mortal had them, could do really powerful stuff. So that's what Gandalf thought he had before he figured out what it was. So wolves. Yep, they do that. Of course, he can't climb a tree. Nope, and that's true to the book. He couldn't climb a tree at all. Yeah, in the in the movies, they make the wool the wargs look more like um, like saber tooth cats or something. But in the books, they're basically just called wolves. So this is also a song that's in the book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely, if you have any trouble like picturing what the songs are supposed to sound like, just listen to this, because they did a really good job. <laughs> oh, what shall we do with these funny little things? This is also important to know that Gandalf, in the movie, and in here, it seems like he's calling to the eagle. In the book, it's actually the eagle's just flying by and sees the fire, and it's like, oh, well, just to fuck with the goblins, let's take away what they're trying to kill. And then, yeah, there's a lot that's about to be cut out. This is a big, basically the biggest section. So in the book, they go to up in the mountains where the eagles live. They stay there the night. Mm -hmm. Then the eagles take them down, take them to a rock that's called Car Rock, which is where they meet. Well, they don't meet the bear transformer there, uh, Bowen. Um, but that's like the border of his land. They go, they they stay with him for a while, and then they move on to Mirkwood. All of that's basically cut out. They go right to the edge of Mirkwood with the eagles in this because that's a lot of stuff that they could get rid of for time's sake. Mirkwood. Well, they're taking us right to the edge of Mirkwood without any food. Let's not talk about how we're going to survive without any food. Yep. Yeah, this is all true, and I believe that, like... There was a deal between, I don't know if it was a deal, but there was like a thing about mm -hmm. like he would only bear him three times. 
and the three times are um, away from the goblins, getting away from um, Saruman, and then at the end when um, he's going to Mordor to save Frodo and Sam. So yeah, this is also in the real to the book where again, this is where Gandalf leaves. It's not in the live action of the movie, they make it seem like he's got random news that makes him go. Mm-hmm. But in truth, he'd always planned to leave because there was a meeting of the White Council and he had to like be there because they were deciding whether they were gonna storm and throw out Sauron. Well, I feel like that's the other part that makes Gandalf like mysterious too, is like he's very like you can't got to get on without me. Like you have to figure mm-hmm. crap out. Like I can help you guys when there's like, you know, 18,000 crazy things happening, but like, you can't just rely on magic and me count yeah. on me all the time. Cause I'm not going to be here the whole time. Well, that's also like his mission. Like the, he was sent by the gods of middle earth um, in a body of a human. And he was expressly forbidden from using magic to just solve the problems. Mm-hmm. He could um, advise, he could help out where he could, but he wasn't allowed to just solve the problem for them. It wasn't force meeting force. Basically. But, you know, fireworks don't solve any problems or hurt anyone. So there's probably <laughs> loopholes of just like, hey, do you want to see some fun things because you're bored? Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Well, fireworks gives people, like, you know, hope and helps them, like, you know, fight for a better day. But also, like, when that's part of the reason when he comes back as Gandalf the White, he's more powerful. Is he had actually been given permission to mm-hmm. use more of his actual power. And that's why he's, it wasn't like that he became more powerful. He was always that powerful. It's just how much could he do in the confines of what he was told he was allowed to do, basically. So you have chosen death. Aaron Beckham. Yep. And okay, this is lost, the, lost the ring right there, like <laughs> right there. It's a good thing that we didn't have DJ Madman carrying the ring, God. or Middle East would have been destroyed. It wouldn't even be about power with you, it's just you would have lost it somewhere, and the <laughs> goblin would have come by and picked it up. That's a really cool looking tree. Like, I, I, I'm just looking at more details than I normally do, and just all the faces in the trees are awesome. Yeah, it's very, um. Wizard of Oz, Snow White. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Snow White was what? 60, no. Oh, the, well, the story was really old, but no, the Snow White, the Disney cartoon was in the 40s, so it was way old even by this point. That's just unbelievable, that, like cartoons yeah. from the 40s, but... Might have even been the 30s, to be honest, like the late 30s, and then like Pinocchio was the next one that was in the 40s. So in the book, at this point, they've drank all their food and they do send Bilbo up a tree and he looks around and he can only see forests. But what he doesn't realize is it's in a very tall tree, but they're inside of a valley. So Mm -hmm. like they were literally just about to get out of the forest, but because he can't see the end, he like goes down and they get all despaired. Also, there's a whole like, I think there's at least a couple sentences, if not a paragraph about the butterflies that Bilbo sees at the tree if you read the book. One of my favorite jokes, um, I, I want like a meme about Tolkien is 
uh, teacher says, describe a tree in as few words as possible. Tolkien, no. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, part of what they cut out is that one, there's a river that they cross that Bombor falls into and falls asleep for like most of the time they're in the forest. And when he wakes up, he can he remembers being at Bilbo's house. That's how far back his memory's gone. So they have to carry him the whole time. And then they end up leaving the path after Bilbo comes down from the tree and they find elves in the forest elves out in the clearings like three times. And every time they approach him, the lights go out and they disappear and the third time the lights go out they can't find each other at all and Thorin is actually missing in the dark and when they wake up that's when they have the spiders Thorin's not actually even with them mm -hmm. um, in this they've just been captured by the spiders in the night basically this is where he starts dick swinging a little bit yeah yeah he has moments of like kind of doing stuff but this is where yeah, he definitely starts to like coming to his own. Also, just as a, I don't know if everybody knows this, um, these spiders are actually the offspring of Shelob. Like the spider that um, fights Sam. The, yeah, they're her offspring that have made it all the way to Mirkwood, and that's why they're so big. And Shelob is actually the last offspring of a spider that was there at the dawn of time that actually <laughs> helps basically the devil destroy the light of earth like she was super powerful so powerful in fact it took i've i've been finding all this shit out and i love it even though i can't understand the, the ceremonial i have it all in my head now when shelob's mom who was named anguliath fought morgoth who is the devil of fucking mm -hmm. creation the second most powerful being in all of tolkien stuff he, she was so strong that it took all of his Balrogs coming together to save Morgoth from her. Like those oh. things that you see in the fucking fellowship. Yeah, it took like nine of them to stop her from killing Morgoth. So really, there's a lot of spiders or evil stuff. Yes, spiders. I don't know if little spiders are the same level of evil, but definitely the big ones are like some of the most ancient evil in Tolkien's uh, universe. He'll do the stinging. That's where it gets its name. So there's no explanation about like why the sword just like they're afraid of the sword. Besides the fact that it's an elven blade, like there's a reason that stain is the one sword that actually hurts Gilab and can like cut her um, her webs. If you if you uh, read the Lord of the Rings, they talk about Sam has a really good sword like uh, Marion Pippins that was made by men of like Numenor basically, and it can mm -hmm. barely cut away like one strand if you hit it like several times, but stain will go through it like butter because <laughs> it's an elven blade. That's just so funny again too how like you know, elves are all about peace and leaving people alone, and they make the best weapons. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a lot of warfare if you if you read the Silmarillion. This is an interesting choice from the animators that the, these these are supposed to look like Legolas. Like Legolas is actually very close to what the Wood Elves should look like, but for some reason they made them look all weird and almost goblin-like. I don't yeah, know they, why they. That's with more of the creepiness of the woods. Yeah. 
I mean, they don't do anything out of character for them in the books. It's just, it's a weird visual. They, as a kid, I didn't know the difference, you know what I mean? And until I got older, it's like, oh yeah, that's just a weird choice they made. So that's Legolas's father, as you can tell from the movies. They look exactly the same. Although I do like the detail because that is in the book that it's like around fall time when they show up. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have a metal crown. He wears crowns of different berries and leaves depending on the time of year. And that is true to the book. And actually, he's a really interesting character because his father, who was the Lord of Mirkwood back then, Greenwood, was actually killed in the last alliance that cut the ring from Sauron's hand. And it was because he saw his father die that he became, like, he closed off his people. He just sort of let all the evil shit in Mirkwood keep pushing them in. But they were protected, but they, like, they didn't try and fight back because he was so traumatized by the, well, one of the reasons traumatized by the death of his father. Okay, so there's a reference here of this takes time, where in the mm -hmm. movie, they don't really allude to how long they're in prison. Yeah, and then the and if if there's ever something in the live action movie where like, or something else where it's like, oh, this seems to take more time. Trust the thing that takes more time because in Tolkien, it's like he's literally going around for like two or three weeks or something with the ring on, just trying to figure out a way to get the dwarves out. Mm -hmm. And even this, like, they're just gonna float right down to Lake into Lake Town. He actually stops like the at one point in the night and just ends up spending the night like on the shore while the dwarves are just bobbing in the river waiting to go to Lake Town the next morning. <laughs> and there's the lonely mountain. I don't know why. Just looks like a crevasse, as someone once said. I will say Lake Town in the movies does look pretty much like what you'd expect Lake Town mm -hmm. to look like. So this is a good place to mention it just because it is so weird that even in this even in this scene it's true. And if, if you ever hear people complaining about the lack of women in the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit live action movies, besides the spiders who are technically female but are never mentioned as such, there are no female characters at all in this movie. Not even in the crowd scenes you're going to see in Lake Town. They are all men in the crowd. Like, I, yeah, like they're not a lot in the book, in The Hobbit. Um, but there's still, but, like, yeah, because there's female elves. Like, that was something yeah. that was consistent. But, yeah. Like, you have, the, you have the idea that at least there are female, like, characters around, even though mm -hmm. they don't have anything to do in the story. But no, like there's no women even in that oh, in that wide shot right there. But uh, there's Bard the Bowman. He, like I said, you don't even get to see the master of Lake Town. It's literally just talk to Bard and he sends them up towards the mountain. Yeah, if I, like, I know there's a lot of problems with the Hobbit live action movies and like, the CGI doesn't have an age well, even compared to the CGI in Lord of the Rings, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but for the story, they didn't really leave anything out. They basically did everything 
that you would expect. The problem is they added stuff, like the idea of a love interest between an elf and a dwarf. It, one, it would make what was really special about Galadriel and Gimli not special, um, not as special. And two, it's just nowhere in the story that that would ever ha that's ever happened. Um, but yeah, part of the reason that Galadriel and Gimli and Glad Gimli and Legolas are so special is because the friendship he has with Legolas and the the love that he has for Galadriel and the fact that she, um like gives him the gift that she does is huge. And it's hard to really understand that if you watch the movie, the whole reason all of this shit started was the guy that created the Silmarils, which are the stone that have the light of the lamps that were destroyed by that giant spider. Mm -hmm. The whole reason he created them was to recreate the light coming from Galadriel's hair. And she refused to give him one strand of her hair because she didn't like him, but she gave Gimli the fucking dwarf three. <laughs> like, it's a huge fucking deal. And yeah, because he was so butthurt about that, it sort of indirectly led to everything else, uh, like the whole war for the Cimmerillion and eventually the rings being made in the first place. All right, but yeah, so we just got up the mountain, and in no time at all, there's the key. It is supposed to be the last light of day, not the moon. I didn't mind that, like, little editorial thing that they did. I thought, oh, that's a clever way to make book nerds like me be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, but um, no, it's the last light of the actual sun setting. Well, first of all, I saved your ass from spiders. I got you out from the wood elves. I feel like I should get some treasure already. Well, this is still like you're saying, like Thorin doesn't really want him there. It's just like, worst comes to worst, he just gets eaten by the dragon, and then we can uh, go in and get him while he's distracted. At this point in the book, he um, he does appreciate the Hobbit more because he has saved their life a couple of times at this point. So like, he does really appreciate Bilbo more. And actually, when they're sitting at the doorstep, not knowing how, what to do, um, they kind of look to Bilbo to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And also, that's a nice little reference to the movie, uh, or to the book. the The one that said "Good luck, Bilbo" is Balin. Who, yep. if you want, you know the sad story about him. He's the one that's in that tomb they find in Moria. Long story, but mm -hmm. he becomes Bilbo's basically one of Bilbo's best friends. And actually, he goes in with him, just like you see in the live action movie. He doesn't go all the way down, but he goes down a little bit to. With him, and he's the only dwarf that will do that, and that's part of the reason they're such good friends. Yeah, yeah now I would imagine it's pretty hot where there's a dragon. Yeah, Smog. they don't really. They don't really go into detail of it, but the fact that Smog is defeated, spoiler alert, is actually a really big deal because he's the last great dragon. Mm -hmm. Like they're just there are other dragons in the north still, but they've all sort of diminished. Like they've been slowly diminishing since they were created, basically. As far as like power. That's how everything in the Lord of the Rings works, by the way. Everything gets goes from awesome, powerful, wonderful, all basically up to paradise and perfection at the earliest stages. And it just, 
keeps copying itself and keeps getting worse and worse and worse, like <laughs> less grand, less magical. It's a type of way of looking at history that Tolkien was very fond of, where basically the, everything is in a downward trajectory. I think it's cool that the thrush is like still with him, kind of. Yeah. That's more for a storyline um, mm -hmm. reason because in the book, he does like the thrush is the one that tells the secret, but he's not there to see it like this. I do like how, because one of the ways Tolkien describes um, smog in the book is that he's like a great cat purring. So in the in the cartoon here, you can see he looks kind of cat like. Mm -hmm. I also saw somebody saying, I'd never thought about this, but it's completely true. Tolkien is the nexus of dragons in Western culture. There were dragons in the Middle Ages that were a certain way that like looked a certain way, behaved a certain way in myth and legend. And there are dragons in our modern media today. Dragons had pretty much fallen out of favor and weren't really remembered that well up until Tolkien wrote this story. So a lot of what he took was from the medieval tradition. He put his own spin on it, and then his spin becomes the dragon that we have today in our pop culture. And I never thought about that. That's such a cool, like, weird little nexus of, like, his work is so important to that mythology specifically. <laughs> you have nice manners. I mean, it's always nice to compliment thieves, even if they're, you know, trying to steal from you. <laughs> Well, another line from the book is Tolkien says that the dragon um, woke up with the wrath of an extremely rich person that has misplaced something that he never needed or never wanted, but now that is missing, he can't think of anything else because of Bilbo taking the cup. <laughs> Lovely titles. I, I would say I do enjoy the live actions way of use, like having um, the dragon's talk actually work on the rain's power on Bilbo. Mm -hmm. I, that's nowhere in the book. It's just, it is a nice little like thing that um, kind of connects the two movies. Barrel Rider. Yeah, in the book, it's said that basically that's part of the reason you don't want to talk to dragons because they will, like, their speech is tricky like that. And so, like, he, if he would have been thinking clearly and not, like, under the dragon's persuasion, he wouldn't have said something like Barrel Rider, which, mm. you know, puts the lake men in danger. Tolkien's magic is very vague in that way, but there is definitely a magic to a talking to a dragon that affects people that aren't aware or aren't ready for it. <laughs> oh, I don't like it when you laugh. Oh, please don't laugh. The earth shakes. Yeah, and I just haven't wished for a few decades. I was tired, okay? One thing that they make different, and I wonder if it's just an animation thing because it would be hard to like draw it. Um, 
his when he gets to his underbelly, it's not that he just has a random spot in his scales that's open, or like in the live action where like they hit the target like three times, and if they mm-hmm. hit or two times they hit a third, it would kill him. It's that he had spent so long laying on his gold car- uh, bed of jewels and shit that jewels have just become encrusted in his body, and they are the armor to anything trying to pierce. But there's a spot right above his heart that wasn't filled in. That see, that's just art right there. That's poetry. Yeah. I think I vaguely do remember that. Yeah. Where it's are your riddles the- now? It's one of the um, things about the like aftermath. They talk about even after the dragon died and was clearly still visible, his bones were sticking out from the lake. Nobody would go out and can't, like scoop up all the gems <laughs> that were in the lake because it was considered really bad luck to even be close to where the dragon died. Yeah, I shall show you my weakness. Yeah, I think it must have just been easier to just draw like really hard scales. Like, because it could just be consistent. <laughs> yep, and there you go. There's a patch. <laughs> and also with the. The diamonds, it makes sense that there's a hole. It's just weird that there's a hole without any explanation in this version. No, I just happen to have a patch right where you can kill me. It's sort of like an exhaust port that if you put bullseye a womp rat, you can take me out. Um, Bilbo was not this raisin. Didn't take off his ring to show him the cup that he stole. I feel like is making Bilbo just a little more like goofy and animated. A little bit, yeah. Like I'm, I mean, I don't mean animated as like literally. I mean, like you know what I mean, like silly. Yeah, and actually, there's two different times he goes down. Um, the first time he goes down, he does get the cup, but Smog doesn't wake up. And then it's when he comes back down again, it's like over a process of days that they're sitting out there. So Smog kind of hears them banging on the side of the mountain. Um, he goes back down. That's when they have that conversation. And then it takes a while for Smog to actually come out and they just barely get inside before Smog comes and smashes the side of the mountain. He's actually very stealthy about it, not like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easily could have just killed everybody. Somebody get a laser pointer. Oh my god. Yeah, that seems like your only option. I don't know why everybody waited for Bilbo to say that. That's such a weird way they had that one dwarf run towards the door. I never (laughs) noticed that before. Just like kind of panicky stuff. Yeah. 
well, bye bye Lake Town. Pretty much. Although technically, because he attacks Lake Town is why Lake Town then ends up defending themselves. So Right. Well it is so, otherwise they were like, nah, bro, dragon, we don't care. We're just we're here. Yeah. Well, it is the thrush that does it. It's not like that he went down there, but like Bilbo had noticed before the thrush seemed to understand them when they were talking. Mm-hmm. So he just said to the thrush, hey, I saw this spot in uh, Smog's armor. Go tell them at Lake Town. And there's actually a really cool, because it reminds me of like what might what really happen with something like this, a disaster like this. There was a really cool um, prophecy of the when the king under the mountain takes his throne back, gold will flow down and shine from the mountain. Mm-hmm. So when they see the dragon coming with all the fire and it lights up the lake, people start singing the old songs and only towards the very last moment do they realize that it's the fucking dragon coming to destroy them. Because <laughs> it, it just seems like something that would totally happen, just the way people are. Those six moments realize how fuck they are. Arrows. We need more arrows. So many more arrows. Why didn't you jump in the lake in the first place? You are in like one of the most least and most strategic places to fight a dragon. Well, that's the whole reason they built the town on the lake before the dragon. <laughs> Away. What, what you speak? Uh, tree fitty. Yeah, in in the book, it's not that the thrush can basically speak English. He can understand. But Barg is actually from the descendants of the kings of Dale. So, like, because he's a descendant from an ancient house, he can understand the speech of the thrush. It's not like they just come up and saying, hey, shoot there. It's like he can understand the language of the bird. But that's a lot of exposition to put into a cartoon that's only 90 minutes long. <laughs> a black arrow. Sniped. And again, more days and days go by where they're just in the mountain, like hanging out and Thorin <laughs> the whole time is looking for the Ark and Stone, which um, in the book, as I said, it's not mentioned in this movie at all. In the book, Bilbo finds it pretty quickly, like when the mm-hmm. dragon's first defeated. And he basically takes it and says, well, they said I could pick one fourteenth my share, so I'd pick this, even if they don't give me anything else. And pretty quickly he realizes what he has and he doesn't want to give it to Thorin because everybody's kind of like obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, join the fun. We're going to Scrooge McDuckett. Here we go. Oh, they do actually give you a little bit of time. That's pretty close to accurate. Is it was a week? I think it was either a week or two before they like mm-hmm. head out to the front door to see what the fuck's happening. And they never oh. mentioned food. The food is always a thing. Like they they were smart enough to bring some of their provisions they got from the town into the cavern before smog destroyed. That's how they survived. Well, that's one thing that the movie doesn't really explain the magic of uh, Lambus bread. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I'm just like, okay. Because I remember the one time the movie got mad. I think not the first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it, I'm like, how are they surviving out of off of like a crumb of bread every so often? Yeah. It's like, no, they'd be so malnourished and like, maybe, oh, that's magical bread. Got it. Pretty much. Yeah. Landis and um, men have their version, which is called cram, which isn't nearly as good, but it will keep you up. And, you know, it's basically the Middle Earth version of hardtack, like from the Civil War, basically. In fact, there's a funny moment in the book in the book where the first time Gimli seems Lambus bread, he says to himself, cram, and then like eat like eats like three or four loaves of it. And the elves are like, No, for the love of God, no. You just ate enough for like a week's worth of food. <laughs> um <laughs> I just love that setup right there. So, uh, yeah, like, you killed our entire town, and I, you know, you woke up a dragon. I was just minding my own business. I killed a dragon. So, uh, you want to help us a little? And they're just like, no. Yeah, in the book, he, in the book, Thorin is unreasonable, but he is willing to help the men. But it is the fact that the elves are there, too, that makes the thing. Because, like, you put us in prison. We don't owe you shit. Like, so, like, if you want to treat with us, Bard, send away the elves and we'll talk. Principle. And so in the book, Bilbo stays with them. They build up a defensive wall in front so that the, the armies can't get to them. They are also they use ravens, which are the friends of the people of the mountain, to send um, birds to the other dwarves. That's how they get a dwarven army. Um, but what actually happens is that Bilbo takes the Arkenstone, he sneaks mm -hmm. away, takes down the the encampment gives it to Bard and the Elven King because he knows that Thorin will trade uh, one fourteenth of the treasure so that they don't have to fight, basically. And when um, the armies come with the Arkenstone and Thorin realizes what he what Bilbo had done, he like threatens to throw Bilbo off the wall and kill him. Yep. And that's what causes the rift. Here, like because we don't have the Arkansas, this is what they're doing right now, is that because Bilbo doesn't want to fight, Thorne's like, oh, you don't understand war. 14 against a few hundred. Fuck you. You you go away now. Like 10,000. Like... It's almost like there's a battle of uh, a number of armies. Yeah. It's not five. I don't think we technically have five. Tea party? No, we still have five because the Eagles show up at the end. The bear doesn't count as a fifth army, though he does a lot of damage like an army. Yeah, no, it's an interesting little like tidbit that the, the whole um, thing that divides them is that um, Bilbo doesn't understand war. Like, it is very true to the message of the book, if not, like, the story itself. See? Well, technically, it's a battle of two armies because I'm pretty sure the elves and the men would help each other because they're against you. And the way that the, the story of the battle actually plays out, Thorin's not there in the beginning. There is a, be a, a army from his cousin. Um, oh, what the hell's his name? Dane? I can't. Dane, yes, because he becomes king. Thorin and the other 14 are still in the mountain. And in fact, it's, once yeah. the goblins show up, they get all pushed all the way back to the mountain, and then the fourteen blow the wall 
and like rally the armies to fight the goblins off. Gandalf. And Gandalf doesn't just appear like that. When Bilbo goes to the army to give him the Arkenstone, he's in the camp. He's like, good job, Bilbo. I'm glad I left you here. Yeah, part of the reason all of this happens at once is because they did take weeks to stay in the mountain, and the news about the fucking dragon dying spread to the entire surrounding area, so everybody's coming to claim the treasure. That's part of the reason you need to have that really big time period of them just hanging out in the mountain. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that the news spread that quickly. So really, the dragon was a peacekeeper. Yeah. Well, he kept everybody from trying to get the treasure. But in the long run, as far as Gandalf plans, this really does help because the goblins are basically defeated so bad that they don't really rise up in the north and the great numbers they're there and there's a whole section of the story about the battle in the north but it's not nearly as big as the one in the south mm -hmm. when you get to the lord rings and also there's no dragon and uh yeah now it's much better overall for the free people yeah thorin Yeah, there's this bear that we didn't mention for some reason. Here he comes. <laughs> or wait, is that the Hobbit or is that no? Bombadil is not in. No, Bombadil. Bombadil is actually a much older character that Tolkien wrote before anything else. But Bombadil is in the Lord of the Rings in the Fellowship, to be specific. Time to just peace out. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Yeah, basically, anytime the Eagles show up, the good guys win. It's true, but anytime, well, I mean, anytime there's conflict, Bilbo's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested. In the, in the actual story, because in this, he basically puts on his rain and just sort of stay, hangs around and like falls asleep. In the story, he does put on his rain, but he does get hit on the head. Like he does yeah. get knocked out. So there's a reason he's not involved. Bombor is one of the few that does live. Um, I can't remember everybody that dies. Balin lives from this. I think Biffer and Boffer live. Thorin, Keeley, and Feely die. I know though, and there's there's obviously more, but those Wait. are the three really big ones. Thorin? No, Thorin can't die. Mm hmm Because he's gotta oh. come up later in the story, in the book. Balin is the one you're thinking of. He shows up later. Yeah, but Thorin. You know, Thorin. Die. Oh, he dies in the book. Yeah, he dies in the battle, and this is pretty close to what actually happens in the book. They have a last moment together. He's buried in the lonely mountain with. Oh, Orkrit. more time went by. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now this is the this is the very end. So he's buried in the in the lonely mountain with Orcris. He also is buried with the Arkenstone, which it's said that um, if there's ever enemies coming to the mountain, it glows. So that the Lonely Mountain can never be caught by surprise. Um, but yeah, that's what ends up happening to Thorin. But yeah, also the reason Dane becomes king is actually it would have been Feely or Keely because they were 
Thorin's nephews, but they both die in the battle too. So that's how Dane becomes the king. And Dane lives all the way through till the end of the Lord of the Rings and actually dies defending the Lonely Mountain in the War of the North. Man, if only I had room for other stuff besides Lord of the Rings facts and television facts, maybe I could do something with my life, but nope, this is what I have in there. People actually dying. Yeah. And again, another thing about like time, the journey home takes about a year, I think, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. It, there's not really any big adventures because the, for the first part, he's with... Uh, Baron the the bear, like they go to his house and he just stays with them. So it's like there's nobody gonna fuck with him. And then Gandalf goes the rest of the way, so nobody bothers them on the way back. Plus the goblins are gone. So there's no one to really bother their journey home. But Bilbo does show up, his house has been auctioned off like that day because he was presumed yeah. dead and has to spend most of his money, which most of it's um, from the troll horde is actually he didn't really bring much back from the mountain because it's too much to carry and uh, he uses most of it just to buy back his stuff in his house also I just love this little um, tagline at the end because again for the hobbit when they wrote when he wrote the book there was none of this but um, right here Gandalf's like oh no but wait till we go to to be continued very fond of you yeah, she'll return to your home. Place your souvenir ring on your mantle, which Gandalf wouldn't know about then. Publish your story, which you believe has come to its end. What do you mean, believe it has come to its end? Oh, they did a good job with the door. Yes, they did. A hobbit hole. Someday, members of your family not yet born will then you realize the story has not yet ended because he's basically just setting up the Lord of the Rings. So yeah, there's the um, the Hobbit from 1977, the thing that introduced me to Tolkien. What did you think, having sat down and watched it? <laughs> it doesn't feel like the 70s. Well, it does feel kind of timeless, doesn't it? Like it's yeah, it doesn't feel like it belongs really anywhere, which is a good Wait. thing for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like... yeah if you ever. If we ever get the chance, we'll definitely do the other two movies. The one is really, like I said, would be really cool as a companion piece to Wizards, and the other yeah. is like this and is really a good return to game. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. So this is the bank show. So there's really nothing to promote. Um, so watch, just, wa yeah. watch our show. Um, yeah, yeah. Wa watch our podcast. Listen, listen to it with your eyes because we definitely take video. Um, <laughs> recording this, I'm being facetious, but record, we're recording this right after, not long after we did our Godzilla episode from 1954. As of right now, it doesn't have many plays, and actually, I it was one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while, and bums me out a little bit that it doesn't have any plays. So, no matter right, where yeah. I post this, go back and listen to Godzilla. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you're pronouncing Gorgira wrong. I talk about that in the show. It's actually nice. not um, an American fuck up. It's that was what the uh, international marketing departments wanted Godzilla to be translated to in English. So I am correct. Huh. 
Um, yeah, I hope everybody has a good uh, week. And um, like I said, I don't know if this will come out as a replacement or a bonus, but I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope at some point we can do the Lord of the Rings and the Return of the King to really even this whole thing out. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Stay humble out there.